Welcome back to the Fantasy Football CU Podcast. This is Andrew with you this week again. And today we're going to look ahead to week four. Um, what storylines to look at during each game, what I'm looking at fantasy-wise. But first, as always, let's get to the Word of God. It's always the place we want to start with. We want to start every day with that, actually. So today we're going to go back to the book of Romans. And I wanted to read Romans chapter 8, verse 1 with you today. And it says this, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. That is a wonderful verse. I love that one so much. We have no condemnation if we're in Christ. We are going to sin. We're going to battle with sin all the time. But we're not condemned anymore because we're with him. Okay, now let's get to it. Let's go over that game on Thursday first. The Lions and Packers, that one was kind of a weird game. The Packers could get nothing going. They looked awful for about two and a half quarters, but then all of a sudden, they started to move the ball. They started to put up a little bit of points, try to make it look competitive, but it never truly was. The Lions dominated that first quarter with turnovers, getting touchdowns, but the story of the game was the running backs on both sides so with the Packers Aaron Jones only got like three touches it was awful that's not something you want to see now of course he just came off an injury so that might not be what they do going forward it might just been an outlier but that was bad and AJ Dillon just does not look like the guy so going forward Aaron Jones should be fine this was just a crazy weird game but AJ Dillon might not be worth rostering the receivers looked fine. Christian Watson came off an injury, but he had a couple deep targets. He had that touchdown. Romeo Dobbs looks like he's their PPR magnet, just getting tons of catches. And Jalen Reed was fine. Luke Musgrave unfortunately got hurt. But for the Lions, that was the story of the game. David Montgomery. Now, I don't think that that is truly what's going to happen from now on. I think game script had a lot to do with that. But he had over 30 touches and three touchdowns. He had like 34 fantasy points or something crazy like that. That's not going to happen every week. Jameer Gibbs will be used more. But he barely saw the field this game. And I truly think because of the way they were dominating, they didn't need to use him that much. He's not really their ground and pound kind of guy. He's more their third down back, spread it out, get some receptions. And when they're going to be in games... When the other team is being competitive, he'll be used much more. So don't panic on him yet, but maybe lower your expectations to more of a flex play going forward other than that RB2 or RB1 that you hoped when you drafted him. So he's still usable, but he might be a little bit bit less expectations. Okay, let's get into the Sunday slate. First, we're going to go overseas to the Falcons-Jaguars. Um, I think they're playing in London. With this game, what I'm looking at for the Falcons is, is Desmond Ritter any good? He doesn't look like he is. And if he's not, then Kyle Pitts and Drake London are kind of unplayable until they decide to make a change, which I kind of believe they will. If Ritter keeps playing like this, they have a fairly good team. They might think they have a chance at the playoffs if they had a quarterback. And their backup, Taylor Heineke, he isn't afraid to throw the ball. He will throw it downfield to those big playmakers. 
if that change happens, then you can look at London and Pitts being a thing. But right now, it's hard to trust them. Other than it's overseas, it's in London. That's where Kyle Pitts scores touchdowns, apparently. Um, and then for the Jaguars, the story there is kind of, again, the receivers. Because Trevor Lawrence has not looked that good, honestly. He hasn't been really playable. And with him not looking that good, the receivers have been up and down. But I think that this is a get-right game, as it's as it were, as it's called sometimes. I think that Trevor Lawrence is going to play much better. I think he'll have a top 10 week. Ridley will get in the end zone. Um, Christian Kirk will get about 10 to 12 targets. And I think that Jaguars move the ball fairly well this game. I think this is a this is one of those get-right games for the whole team. And I think the Jaguars might actually win this game. Next, we have possibly the game of the week the Dolphins and the Bills. For the Dolphins, what I'm looking at here is how their running back room, how their touches are split, because Mostert and A-Chan looked real. I mean, they looked unreal last week. That's never going to happen again. That was the best games they're going to have in probably their careers. But how do they split the touches? Is it going to be a 60-40 split, Mostert and A-Chan, or is A-Chan going to be kind of the... Um, spell Mostert when he gets a lot of work, he gets a little tired, get HN in there to kind of give him a rest. I kind of think it's more toward that, but maybe a little bit more on top of that. I think HN will be used, used more than just a spell Mostert back, but he's not going to be on the field a lot yet, I don't think. I could be wrong, but that's where I'm seeing that. And then for the Bills, I think the storyline there is their tight ends. I've been a big a big supporter of Dalton Kincaid this year, one of my guys I planted my flag on, and it looks like I might have been wrong so far because Dawson Knox is starting to play a little bit more than Kincaid. And if that continues, then Dawson Knox might be a decent tight end to look at streaming or maybe possibly starting in the future with Kincaid maybe being on benches or being dropped. I would guess that's not going to happen. I would guess Kincaid is still going to be a thing. But so far, he hasn't really been. It's been Diggs, of course. Um, Davis has actually been fine. Gabe Davis has scored a few touchdowns. Not a lot of catches, but he's been getting it downfield. So Kincaid's been kind of the odd man out, but I don't think that's going to continue. I still believe in Kincaid. I still have him on a few teams, but if it doesn't turn around soon, then yeah, it might be time to cut ties. The next, we have the Broncos and Bears. This could either be an ugly game or a high-scoring game. Nowhere in between, because both these teams, this might be the two worst teams in the league right now. It's just not looking too good for them. For the Broncos, I to me, the storyline is Marvin Mims. Are they going to play him more? He does need to play more. Every time he's on the field, something electric happens. He had a long touchdown pass in week two. Week three, he had that kick return for a touchdown. He is electric. He is so athletic, so quick, and so fast. The Broncos need to play him more. Their season's basically done already. So I'm interested to see if he's going to play more snaps or not. If he's starting to see more work, he needs to be on teams immediately. He might already need to be on your team um, because Judy and Sutton are good. They're they're solid wide receivers, but they're not 
a speed demon like Marvin Mims Jr. is. And if he's going to be their three going forward, he's going to get a lot of targets downfield. And Russell Wilson is one of the most accurate deep ball throwers in the league. And then for the Bears, what I'm looking at there is just that offense in general. It's awful, but they're playing a poorish type defense. Now, the, the Broncos aren't going to give up 70 points again. It's never going to happen. But the Bears should be able to move the ball. So Justin Fields, this is his last chance. If he doesn't look good this week, he's benchable. You need to look elsewhere and get somebody else most likely. Same with DJ Moore. And then with their running backs, I think Roshan Johnson's going to start being the guy. He's getting more and more touches. Khalil Herbert still their RB1. But I think in a few weeks, it's going to flip. I think Johnson's going to be the RB1. And Khalil Herbert's going to be, you know, the speller. Spell Johnson whenever he gets a little tired, a little bit too much work. I think that's how it's going to be. So if you don't have Johnson on your bench, if he's available, now might be the time to grab him. Next, it, this is going to be the defensive struggle game, the Ravens and the Browns. Browns have the best defense in the league. Ravens have a really good one as well. And for the Ravens, everyone's hurt. They're always hurt. Their running backs are getting hurt. Their receivers are getting hurt. All they really have are three guys. Lamar Jackson, Zay Flowers, and Mark Andrews. Offense is going to just going to focus in on those three guys. So you're starting all three of them. But what I'm looking at here is can they move the ball against this defense? Because their offense has not looked great so far. It's looked fine. But they need to pass the ball more. I think Lamar's going to be able to get loose on some design runs, some scrambles, some escapes from the pocket. But they need to pass the ball. And I don't know if they're going to be able to against the Browns. So maybe damper expectations a little bit for the passing game and their offense all around. The flip side, though, is for the Browns. Quarterback might not play. Deshaun Watson is a little banged up. He looked good last week, so I'll own that. I said that I'm not starting him until I see it, and he looked good last week, but he might not be playing this week. It might be one of their backups. It might be DTR, who's looked great in the preseason. But if he doesn't play, if Watson doesn't play, then I'm kind of not wanting to start anyone not named Jerome Ford on this offense. I mean, if you have Cooper, you kind of have to start him. But other than that, I don't know how they're going to be able to pass the ball against the Ravens with their backup quarterback. It might be better or it might be much worse. So I'd have caution with that other than with Jerome Ford and maybe Amari Cooper. And then next we have the Bengals and the Titans. What I'm looking for with the Bengals is Joe Burrow. Is he getting better? Is he getting healthier? Is he able to throw the ball deep? Right now, it's just been checkdowns, which is okay. But his his uh, main thing that he's always had is that accurate push the ball downfield passing game. And he doesn't have it right now because his calf's hurt. He can't really push off on it. So I'm looking to see if he can start doing that. This is a great matchup for him. The Titans secondary is awful one of the worst in the league but the run defense is one of the best so he's gonna have to throw the ball to move the ball anywhere so i don't know hopefully he gets back on track in this game and t higgins and jamar chase look like the receivers that we drafted them as and for the titans 
the storyline I'm looking for here is what is going on with their running back room? Derrick Henry is not getting the ball that much. He is splitting snaps with Tajay Spears. And if that continues, Tajay Spears might be the waiver wire ad of all waiver wire ads. Because if the Titans, let's say, are probably going to lose this game, let's say they end up starting the season like a 2-5 and five or 2-6, and six, they might start deciding to kind of break it down and trade pieces away. And Derrick Henry might be tradable. I don't know how many years he has left on his contract. But there could be a contender that might say, yeah, we'll give you a second round pick for him. And then if that's the case, then it's the Tajay Spears show. And he looked really good in preseason. He's already been getting a lot of love. So that's something I'm looking for there. And then the next game we have, we have the Rams and the Colts. I think this is a sneaky high scoring game. Both offenses are pretty stout at moving the ball. And both defenses are average to below average. So I think there could be some sneaky points in this. For the Rams, what I'm looking for here is can Pukunakua and Kyra Williams get back on track? Because last week against the Bengals, they did not look all that great. Matthew Stafford didn't really look all that great either, but he got sacked so many times. He had no time at all against that Bengals defense. But here against the Colts, he should have a cleaner pocket. He should be able to have time to move the ball downfield. And I think Puka and Kyron are going to get a lot more looks, a lot more points. And then for the Colts, Anthony Richardson is back. And I think he is just possibly the best rookie that was drafted this year. He looks, when he's healthy, he looks fantastic. Even the passing game looks pretty good. So I'm seeing him as scoring a ton of points. The offense is going to move the ball. And if you have Anthony Richardson, you need to start him. Same with Michael Pittman and even Zach Moss. He's looked great as well. And then next up, we have the Buccaneers and the Saints. This one might be a little bit of an ugly-ish type of game. Both offenses are fine. Both defenses are pretty good. So this is going to be a hard-hitting fiscal game. For the Buccaneers, what I'm looking at here is Mike Evans. He is going to be shadowed, as they say, by um, Marshawn Lattimore. And every time he does, he doesn't really have a big game. Usually, Marshawn Lattimore keeps him in check, mostly. So this could be a Curtis Godwin game. And of course, Rashad White, he's going to get a lot of love, but the Saints have a good run defense. So after this week, if Mike Evans and Rashad White have kind of low weeks, you might want to try to trade for him. It might be a buy low situation. And for the Saints, Derek Carr's a little dinged up. He might try to go, but if he doesn't and it's Jameis Winston, I kind of like Chris Olave more than before because Jameis Winston, he doesn't care. He's just going to throw it downfield. And if it's picked off, it's picked off, but he's going to push it downfield to Chris Olave. And I like that more than the short game for him. So that's what I'm kind of looking at with the Saints. And how does Alvin Kamara look? He's back finally from his suspension. All reports are that he's healthier than he's ever been. You know how that goes. So I wonder how he's going to look. I'm keeping my eye on that with that backfield with him and Kendra Miller, of course. The next, we have the Commanders and the Eagles. For the Commanders, I want to see, is Sam Howell any good? Last week, he looked awful. Before that, he's looked okay or good sometimes. But is he any good? What is Sam Howell? 
if he's good, then Terry McLaurin, Jahad Dotson, maybe even Curtis Samuel are great fantasy pieces. But if he's not good, then I don't know. Those guys, you probably still need to start McLaurin where you drafted him, but you don't have too much confidence. And with their run game, it's Brian Robinson Jr., and that's it. Antonio Gibson, I don't know what's going on, but he's not getting a lot of looks. Maybe that'll increase, but I don't think they're going to be able to do a whole lot against this Eagles defense until garbage time. That's when maybe McLaurin and Dotson get some kind of points, some kind of catches, and maybe even score, but it's probably going to get out of hand quickly. And for the Eagles, what's this run game look like? It looks like now it's the DeAndre Swift show. And if that's the case, that's awesome for whoever drafted him. I got him in a couple leagues, and I tried to trade for him and one before that Vikings game. I almost got the other manager to pull the trigger, but they said they wanted to wait one more week. And I was like, no, because I knew it was going to happen. And now DeAndre Swift looks like a huge, huge piece in this offense. If that continues, then he's a great fantasy asset. If they start to split again with Gainwell, then you don't know what to do. And then the next game we got here is the Vikings and the Panthers. So storylines with the Vikings is the offense, but mainly their running game. So Madison had a sneaky good fantasy game last week, but I think that was kind of overshadowed by his actual football play. He had another bad fumble that they got lucky to recover, but I think he's on a short leash and Cam Akers is going to be up to speed. The coaching staff already knows him well. I think that maybe not this game, but going forward, it's going to be almost a 50-50 split. Maybe even Cam Akers taking over, depending on how he looks and how explosive he is. Because Madison looked fine. He hasn't broken away with the running game. He hasn't gotten a lot of you know big chunk plays. He just kind of here and there. Four yards there, two yards there, catch here. The problem is his fumbles. He has a short leash, and if Cam Akers comes in and plays well, it could be trending toward Cam Akers being the guy. And then with the Panthers, with Bryce Young playing, I don't know how good this offense is going to look. I know the Vikings defense is bad, but what they're going to do is they're going to blitz the living crap out of Bryce Young and he might not know what he's looking at yet and he might get rattled early maybe throw a pick or two or a fumble you know a sack fumble because the Vikings are going to come for him all day long so if he can get the ball out to an Adam Thielen or a DJ Chark they might be able to move the ball a little bit but he's going to be hurting he's going to get hit a lot and with a run game, Miles Sanders is fine, but he's hurt. I don't know if he's going to play. And if it's Chupa Hubbard, do you really have a lot of confidence that they're going to be able to run the ball very effectively, even against a poorish run defense? I don't know. I'm not too high on that. This could be an ugly game where Minnesota gets up by a little bit and coasts, and the Panthers have to play catch-up, and it's just not pretty for fantasy all the way around. And then next we have the Steelers at Texans. For the Steelers, it's it's this is kind of the storyline for most games. They're running back room. What's going on with Najee Harris and Jalen Warren? Is it truly a 50-50 split? Is Jalen Warren the better player? So what I'm thinking 
is I think it's going to be basically a 50-50 split. I think Najee is going to continue to be their first and second down back between the tackles. Maybe even if they get into the red zone, he'll be the, their goal line guy. And Jalen Warren will do will be the spelling him. He will get some first and down, first and second down runs whenever Najee needs a breather, but always on third down. He's their pass down back. So he might have more value than Najee going forward. And if that continues to be the Jalen Warren show, I don't think it will. I think Najee will always have a role. But if it continues to be the Jalen Warren show and he gets more and more touches, he might be the guy you want to roster other than Najee. But again, I don't feel like that's how it's going to be. And for the Texans, I think the story here is, can they protect C.J. Stroud with their offensive line woes? The Steelers have such a great pass rush. Some of their other parts of their defense isn't as strong, but their pass rush is one of the best in the league. And I think C.J. Stroud is going to get so much pressure. He's going to be hurting. He's going to have to get the ball out quickly. And I think he can, though. He has shown that he is a really good quarterback. He might be one of the best passing quarterbacks of that draft class, at least so far. And so Nico Collins, Tank Dell, Robert Woods, they're going to get some targets. I just don't know how much time C.J. Stroud's going to have to throw it downfield, so it might be more dink and dunk. And I think the running game will be fine. I don't think the Steelers' run defense is great. It's good enough. So I think Damon Pierce will get some love. I don't think this is going to be... Um, a blowout, so I think the Texans will be in the game. They might even win the game. I don't anticipate that, but they're going to be in the game enough where Pierce is startable still, but I am worried for C.J. Stroud in this game. He's going to be hurting. The next, we have perhaps another horrible defensive game. We have the Raiders and Chargers. For the Raiders, the story here is Josh Jacobs. What is going on? He cannot run the ball. He he looks fine, but he has no holes. He's getting hit immediately. He's still involved in the passing game. That's the only saving grace for him. But can he get going? Can he get some holes to run through? I don't know. This is the best matchup for him, so this could be a get-right game. But it's just it's not been pretty. And now Jimmy Garoppolo is still in concussion protocol. He might play. He might not. Pass game might not be as great. Again, Chargers defense is just horrible. So they should still be able to move the ball. So I, I don't know what's going to happen with Josh Jacobs. And for the Chargers, the storyline here is who's their wide receiver too? Mike Williams is going to be out for the year. That was a horrible injury against the Vikings last week. Our you know, thoughts and prayers go out to him for recovery. But I think for his replacement, I think it's going to be Josh Palmer to start with for maybe the next two to four weeks at most i think quinton johnston will be a thing if he's available i he's a good waiver wire stash at the end of your bench because he is more talented than josh palmer in my opinion he's bigger he's maybe even faster he's a great deep ball and red zone threat so i think he could be a thing but he hasn't got on the field yet they like josh palmer a lot so for this week and very shortly moving forward, it's going to be Josh Palmer number two. But I think Quentin Johnston is going to be a thing. He'll be the number three for now. He'll still get on the field, but he's not startable just yet. Just be patient with him. He'll be a thing in the future. And then next, we have the Patriots and Cowboys. This could be a hard-hitting game here as well. For the Patriots, the storyline here is Ramondre Stevenson. 
he didn't look that great last week. And this is Zeke's um, kind of coming home party, homecoming in a way, against the Cowboys. He's going to be very emotional. I kind of think they're going to try to let him feast a little bit this game. Don't let that fool you if that happens. It still is the Ramondre Stevenson show. It is still his backfield. So if he doesn't get that many touches this week and it's Zeke and the manager that has Ramondre is kind of panicking, I would send an offer and try to get him, my opinion. I think it's still, Stevenson is still their guy because Zeke is kind of limited in what he can do. He is good at the goal line, even though if you look at the numbers, I believe Stevenson has had more goal line opportunities than Zeke this year, which is kind of, kind of fascinating in a way. Um, and Zeke is okay in the pass game, but Ramondre is great in the pass game. So he is still the guy, but this could be the Zeke show this week. And for the Cowboys, is Dak any good? He did not look good last week against a Cardinals defense. Who I, who would have thought that he would struggle against a Cardinals defense? And if Dak is not any good, then the Cowboys are not going to go very far in the playoffs. Their, their defense is fantastic. Micah Parsons is possibly the best defensive player in the league. But if Dak can't move the ball accurately to CeeDee Lamb, to Brandon Cooks, even Jake Ferguson or Michael Gallup, and if it's only Tony Pollard show, then they're not going to really win much games against those good teams, especially in the playoffs. I don't know if Dak is that guy. I don't have the fullest confidence in him. If he's on your fantasy team, I don't feel comfortable starting him anymore unless it's a really easy matchup, which this week's a this week it's not. The Patriots have a good defense. And I kind of would pick the Patriots to win this game, honestly. And it could be the upset pick of the week. But I like the Patriots. I like their team. They're balanced on offense with a good defense. Only thing they're missing is a wide receiver. That alpha guy. They don't have it. Their alpha receiver is kind of their tight ends. So it's they're not a great team. But I think they match up well against the Cowboys. Um, and if I was going to pick a game, I would pick the Patriots in this game. We'll see if I'm right. Next, we have the Cardinals and 49ers. So for the Cardinals, the storyline here is Josh Dobbs is actually pretty good. He can run an offense. He can make those guys valuable in fantasy. So Marquise Brown, James Conner, even Zach Ertz to an extent, they are usable because Dobbs is pretty good. And the 49ers defense, it's really good against the run, really good pass rushers, but against the pass, their secondary, they've allowed a little bit of yards, honestly. So I think Josh Dobbs can move the ball a little bit. James Conner check down, Marquise Brown slant, sack Ertz over the middle. I think he'll move the ball enough to um, be usable in fantasy for those pass catchers and for Conner. I don't think the Cardinals are going to win this game. They beat the Cowboys last week, which is awesome, but the 49ers are too good. And for the Niners, storyline here looks like Debo might miss, and if he does, then the other three guys are must-starts. Whenever one of them misses, the other ones are huge in fantasy, just like last week. Last week, Brandon Ayuk missed. McCaffrey's always going to be starting, and then Kittle and Debo played great last week. Debo had that long touchdown catch. This week, I think it's going to be Kittle again and Brandon Ayuk. You need to start both those guys if Debo Samuel misses. Even if he plays, he's probably going to be limited. So Ayuk and Kittle should be in your lineups. 
the next, the Sunday night game, we have Chiefs and Jets. This was supposed to be a huge game on the calendar whenever Aaron Rodgers got traded. Now I don't know. Um, so for the Chiefs, the storyline here is, do they have a wide receiver that they trust? Thought it might be Contarius Tony. Thought it might be Sky Moore. Maybe even Rasheed Rice. None of them have broken out yet. It's been kind of spread the ball around Kelsey and the running back so far. If you want to roster one of those receivers, my personal favorite, other than Sky Moore, because you drafted him kind of earlier, so you probably have to keep him on your roster. But other than Sky Moore, my favorite is Rasheed Rice. He should have had a couple touchdowns. He kind of almost had, a, I think, maybe one or two last week. Um, Patrick Mahomes um, fought for him in the draft, said, yes, I want this guy. Rasheed Rice has looked pretty good in spurts. So if he can get it going, if he can get something consistent with him, he could be, could be the wide receiver one or two with Sky Moore being the other one. I don't trust Kadarius Tony anymore. He just looks like a shell of himself. And um, Watson, I don't think he's going to play much. So I think it's Rasheed Rice. If he's available in your league and you have room on your roster, he might be worth a stash. Um, but I wouldn't start him right now. And for the Jets, I mean, this one's obvious. Is Zach Wilson going to be able to make these fantasy players on their team any viable to play? Garrett Wilson, you almost have to start because of where you drafted him, unless you got lucky with a Puka Nakua or with a late-round flyer, Jordan Addison. But I still think you start Garrett Wilson over Jordan Addison, but not Puka. So, I don't know. Man, it's going to be tough, though, because the Chiefs' defense is really good, and the Jets' running back room has not looked good because their O-line is awful. It's it's kind of no man's land. You're probably starting Garrett Wilson, and that's kind of it for the Jets, honestly. And you still don't feel good about it. Then lastly, our Monday night game. We only have one this week. I kind of like that better, honestly. We have the Seahawks against the Giants. The storyline for the Seahawks and this is a common theme, their running back room. This could be a sneaky thing. People might not have been paying attention to this. So Kenneth Walker III, he looks awesome. He's like a top five running back so far in the league as far as fantasy goes. He's getting a lot of touches. He's getting touchdowns. He looks fantastic. But sneakily, Zach Charbonnet has been getting more and more and more work. Not a lot yet. But he is getting snaps. He is seeing the ball. And I think that trend is going to continue. And it's not going to be a 50-50 split. But I wouldn't be surprised as if in two to three weeks, it's more of a 60-40 split. Where Kenneth Walker III gets 60%. Zach Charbonnet gets 40%. And this offense is pretty good. They can move the ball. And if that's the case, then Zach Charbonnet will have, role, will have a role um, by himself with Kenneth Walker in playing as well. He will be startable in two to three weeks, I believe. And if Walker misses any time, if he gets hurt, which he's been hurt in the past, Zach Charbonnet could be a top 15, even a top 10 running back in fantasy. So if he's available, he mu I think he is one of the must-adds if you can get him on your team. I drafted him, I think, in almost every league this year because I thought this would happen earlier than it has, but the trend is starting to come around. Zach Charbonnet is going to be a thing. 
you need them on your roster. And then with the Giants, with this is, can they move the ball? They've looked awful. This is a good matchup, though. The Seahawks' defense is not very good. So I think their running backs, I don't think Saquon's going to play yet. I think he'll play next week. So I think it'll be Brita. It'll be um, their other running back, Brightwell. Um, so if Brita's available, then you can get him on your roster. It might be worth playing this week. Um, and Darren Waller, I think this is a good coming out game for Darren Waller. I think that Daniel Jones can get him the ball early and often. I think Waller might even score this game. And the receivers, you know, you have to see it first. But can the Giants move the ball? I think they can this week against the Seahawks. But I still think Seahawks might win this game. But Seahawks are a little bit better team than the Giants, and in my opinion. Okay, that was the week four preview. Now, as always, let's get real. And I want to talk about mental health because that is a really difficult thing going around in our culture right now. And um, it's something that needs to be talked about. It's not something to kind of brush aside and try to ignore. Mental health is very important. If anyone is struggling with their mental health, if they're suffering from anxiety, depression, or anything like that, you need to reach out for help because there's, there's no reason why you need to try to fight that on your own. And I'm going to give an example story in my own life. So when I was in high school, I was suffering, well, actually I started in junior high and then ended it kind of went through high school. So when I was in junior high, I was suffering through social anxiety and depression. And I didn't want to talk to anybody. I wasn't social at all. I only had a few friends I kept to myself. And I honestly did not even want to be around people. I wanted to be by myself. So I eventually started missing school. I missed a few days here or there, come back, miss a few days again. And I was getting kind of on the dangerous side of missing too many days. But I was able to finish my eighth grade um, year test out. And then ninth grade, I went to the first semester. Then the second semester, I didn't go back at all. And again, luckily, I was able to test out they gave me the um, end of year test that I was able to pass, and I was able to move on to 10th grade. But in 10th grade, I went to the school the first day, never went back. I didn't want to be around people, and I dropped out of high school. Um, and that was really hard on my parents. They tried to do whatever they could. They got me a counselor, which actually, it really helped. Um, if you're struggling with mental health, I would definitely suggest looking at um, speaking to a professional. It really helped me out. There is a lot of access to that online. Telehealth is a huge thing or finding someone in your area. Um, I definitely encourage don't do this alone. Go get the help that you need. For me personally, how I got the help was I had one friend that stood by me the whole time. I went over to his house, you know, hung out, played video games, watched movies. I at least had some kind of social aspect other than just staying home and doing nothing. But um, one of his sisters was going to a Bible camp, a, Bible camp, um, a church camp. This was when I was probably uh, like 16, 17, around that age. And I thought, okay, you know, that sounds kind of fun. I might go. And so I was 
um, working at Walmart at the time, got a week off, and I went to this church camp, and it changed my life. God did a huge miracle inside my, um, just inside me, period, with my spirit, with my mind, my heart. He changed me during that Bible camp. And I decided, okay, I need to pursue this. And when I got home, I told my mom that I wanted to be baptized. And she was just so thrilled. She started crying. We got it set up. And from that point on, I didn't look back. My mental health has been in such a better place. Um, I mean, if whoever knew me back then in high school, if they met me now, a totally different person. Because um, we started out by getting me the help that I needed. With that counselor, my parents couldn't afford to continue it. Would have been amazing if they could, because it helped a lot. But we started with that, and I didn't stop trying. I reached out to my friend as much as I could, and I had the courage to go out and do something, and God really healed me. So um, the moral of the story, if you're struggling with mental health, go get the help you need, but definitely reach out to your church, reach out to God. He is the healer. Counselors, psychologists, psychiatrists, they're professionals that are trained in this. Definitely, definitely get professional help as well. But I would say the biggest thing you can do is reach out to your church, reach out to God for help. He is the true counselor. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining in this week. Be sure to check out fantasyfootballcu.com. It's got a lot of great courses on teaching the beginning to intermediate all the way to advanced aspects of fantasy football. We also have a community we would love you to join where you can ask questions on our forums and even join in live meetups with me and a lot of other fantasy football enthusiasts that just love the game and want to hang out, answer any questions, and just have a good time together. Um, we have a seven-day free trial. Check that out as well. Thank you guys so much. God bless you. We'll see you next week.